0: You are listening to Believe, Strive, Achieve, Endurance Podcast with Diogo Custodio. If this is your first time listening, then thanks so much for coming. Get ready and enjoy the show.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of Believe Strive Achieve Endurance Podcast. My name is Diogo Custodio, and today our guest is Harriet Tier, the longest-standing coach athletes in Triton Harder. Harriet, welcome. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you, Diogo. Very nice to be here.
1: It's a pleasure to have you on board, Harriet. Um, my first question for you, Harriet, is um, how triathlon showed up in your life.
0: It's a good question. Uh, it was completely by accident. I <laughs> had been... I, I have had a checkered past of various different sports. I used to dance a lot when I was young, and when I went to university, everybody rode, so I gave that a go. And then during my PhD, I'd settled on kickboxing and that reasonably seriously, Uh, got through to my black belt, did a couple of bouts. um, And I was in Cambridge training hard, really enjoying working really quite hard at that, running on the side to try and sort of keep fit, but nothing desperately serious. And then I moved to London and couldn't immediately find a kickboxing club. So I decided while I was sort of waiting to set up properly in kickboxing, I would run a marathon because I'd been been running on and off sort of for a reasonably long time. I'd done a couple of 10 Ks, a couple of halves. And I thought, well, you know, that's a nice, nice target. And as many novice marathon runners experience, I obviously picked up an injury, uh, hurt my knee, classic ITB issues, uh, so I did the marathon. It was pretty painful and a bit miserable, but mm-hmm. a great experience. But from a racing perspective, not, not ideal. The best yeah. one. <laughs> and decided after that to cross train with a bit of road bike. I'd got a road bike that I picked up a few years ago. I quite enjoyed going out on it. So I decided a bit of that. And then obviously I picked up two of the three disciplines so um, it made sense to bring swimming in. I have a bit of a uh, – I'd had a, an interesting past with swimming. I hadn't swum properly until I was an adult, and that was quite a big deal. So um, so I decided to string the three together. And because it didn't cross my mind not to, obviously, if you're going to do a triathlon, why wouldn't you do a full-distance? Oh, dear.
1: <laughs>
0: so, I think it was, it was 20, 2012, uh, I'd done a sprint and that had gone all right. I mean, I'd learned some classic, classic um, things along the way of, you know, making sure your goggles are tight and how bad your legs feel when you start running off the bike if you've not really done that before. But I decided, decided off the back of that, that a full distance Ironman was a good choice. So you wanted to start from the top? Yeah. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, so I think. That helped.
1: <laughs> and um, this was in 2012. Yes. And did you have a coach at the time, or just do it by your your own?
0: No, no, nothing. Nothing nearly as uh, planned and organised as that. I um, I got a beginner's sort of um, schedule from the internet, and I followed it avidly. I enjoyed the structure. I enjoyed sort of having a plan to tick off, but I really didn't have much idea of what I was getting myself into. Um, That was Challenge Henley. So this is a race that actually doesn't doesn't exist anymore, but it was a great local race. Mm -hmm. Really nice crowd, great course for a beginner because it was lots of sort of repeating laps, which meant mentally it was really great ticking things off it took i don't know 13 and a half hours or something not not desperately anything really i mean it was i was really really just so happy to get across the finish line uh and then i did a couple more and picked up a coach actually in 2014 um, cuz i'd done another full distance ironman by that stage so that was ironman sweden and i decided it was time to actually get someone job. to help out. <laughs>
1: And um, when did the when did the first one? How long did it take you to prepare it? Uh, was just a matter of month, or
0: so? Uh, so I found uh, I think the schedule that I picked up was a nine month training program, um, and by that stage I was reasonably happy on a bike for a couple of hours. I'd done a marathon. My swimming was slowly coming along, so. That was quite a nice time period to sort of work through each of the disciplines. I did um I did 70.3, the Swiss 70.3 Rappersville Yona to sort of mm-hmm. up to the full distance. And that was really the big hurdle to get through to to sort of feel like I was heading in the right direction.
1: And then in 2014 you got a coach.
0: Yes, and this was completely again almost by accident I I can remember very clearly I went for a dinner in Oxford um I was working in Oxford at the time and met totally by chance a a member of the University of Oxford Tri Club and at the time they were sponsored by Tri Training Harder Mm -hmm. he was enthusing about the training camps they'd just been on to Portugal and the coaches and the sort of Opportunity to actually get some advice from people who know what they're talking about. So I didn't sort of at that point I didn't actively think I need a coach. I thought, well, I'll get in touch and I'll um sort of have a chat and see what they're about. And I got in touch and I wasn't intending to pick up a coach at that point. But you know, you start a conversation, you get a bit enthusiastic about sport. I had a marathon coming up um which was Amsterdam marathon, I was kind of looking to, I, I didn't really think there was time to pick up a coach ahead of that race. It was August and the race was in uh, late September, early October, can't remember. And um, and suddenly I found I had a marathon training plan right in front of me and, and was kind of swept up in this enthusiasm of, of training. Uh, and then went and did the marathon and nailed a PB by about 20 minutes and, and just suddenly felt like actually this was going in the right direction and this, this would be really helpful. Yeah. Training with TTH ever since.
1: I don't know if you have the idea that you are the longest coach athlete we have on the company.
0: I did not know that.
1: So congratulations on that.
0: <laughs> that job. What an achievement.
1: Yeah, it's very good. It's been six years since you started co- being coached by and by through TTH. Um, have you seen any big differences since then in the company and the trials itself?
0: I think, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I think so. I mean, it's really, I was aware when I first signed up with TTH that it was still fairly early days. And it's been really yeah. interesting to see the company sort of grow and develop. During that time, um, and I think again in the last few months, in terms of the sort of the, the the lockdown and having to adjust to training in this new world we're in, it's been really really interesting seeing how TTH has sort of responded to that. And as far as I'm concerned, it's been it's been just so invaluable having their support when everything else is a bit sort of unclear. So um, so yeah, definitely, it's definitely, I mean, it, it was always a very professional outfit and always very friendly and sort of supportive, but that's really kind of progressed as the coaching team has grown. The thing is
1: I have been in the company since 2017 and in three years' time I can see some differences. So I I believe that you, in six years' time, have seen some some big ones. Yeah. And um, you started doing this sport in 2012. I believe that you've seen some also, also some differences in the sport itself.
0: Well, it certainly picked up in terms of, I mean, it's much more popular as a sport. Um, when, I, when, I was doing, when I was training for um, Challenge Henley in 2012, it, it was still a very unknown thing. Um, I mean, people still, if you tell people you're training for an Ironman these days, people still think you're crazy, but...
1: (laughs) And we are. Come on, Harriet.
0: (laughs) A little bit more of an awareness of of what that involves. Um, So, and, and, you know, just the number of events that are available and the sort of the growth of smaller events with smaller numbers, sort of more locally, has been really, really nice, I think.
1: What was the, the biggest accomplishment you had in this sport? Can you name one?
0: So the thing I'm most proud of is my swimming. Um, So I I, I mentioned earlier, I only learnt to swim as an adult Mm -hmm. during my PhD. And part of the reason for that was that um, I was pretty terrified of swimming up until that point. Actually, that's not true. I'm still fairly... (laughs) (laughs) I had an incident when I was little, you know, classic yeah trauma water in a swimming pool and I always found swimming pools just really stressful because there's so much going on and there's lots of people all a bit unpredictable and I really didn't didn't enjoy it so I really didn't swim at all and then I can't remember what prompted it but decided that I should learn and so had some adult lessons when I was doing my PhD and really quite enjoyed the sort of organization of lane swimming you know what everyone's doing there's a etiquette all a bit more sort of
1: mm-hmm.
0: bit bit more predictable but I decided obviously that the biggest demonstration that I could give myself that I had kind of progressed with my swimming would be to do an open water triathlon because <laughs> if anyone has done open water swimming particularly in a triathlon race uh, you will know that it can be a bit of a um, fun fight
1: Exactly <laughs> like I this, a washing
0: machine. yeah, I had this brilliant moment in Wimble Hall, which was uh iron iron man seventy point three down in um, down in Exmouth um, Exmoor, where you have a mass start so you've got literally hundreds of people jumping into the water at the same time, and I had this brilliant moment where I looked up and there was kind of a fish feeding frenzy to my left and then to my right and then ahead of me just just choppy water all around with thrashing swimmers and i just was so happy at that moment and just thought what well, i just had this really great sort of this is great i love this um, and i really <laughs> felt like that was a a good sort of point to have got to so i think that's probably that's probably the main thing um and then you know there have been some great races. There have been some hard races. The finish line of Challenge Roth is one of the things I will carry with me forever. I mean, what a what, a, what an amazing race. Um, and that was a particularly great race because lots of things hadn't quite gone according to plan. And my target was to go sub 12 hours, which would have been quite a sort of, you know, an hour and a half shaved off from my very first attempt at the distance. And my Garmin messed up and during the run, I had a bit of a sort of dark place and I really had lost all track of where I was at and then crossed the line in 11 hours, 59 minutes and 53 seconds.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, i so happy that uh well, coming under, think, under the top. I think
1: you and I did the challenge roughly the same year, if I'm not wrong.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: 2015.
0: Well, what a great one to start with.
1: It's a very good one. It's a very, very good one. Um Harriet, if you could give some piece of advice for those who are at this moment are terrified of uh, swimming and open water swimming um what would you tell them to to do or to think about when they have to face this you know this scary moment for them
0: yeah i think I think the the main thing with open water swimming is to practice it and to to sort of try it out and and there are lots and lots increasingly now i mean this wasn't really the case back when i was starting but there are lots of clubs and lakes and groups that that you can go along to as a beginner who will ease you into lake swimming or river swimming or whatever it is sort of with with a lot of support um and then you know there are lots of things you can do in a racing environment you can hold back you can position yourself so you're not right in the thick of things mm-hmm. give yourself sort of you know wait 20 seconds after the gun has gone so that you actually have space and and you know you can the, the thing the thing that's great with triathlon is that the swim is important but it's not the the whole and the only thing so taking your time and not panicking during that part of the race then sets you up to have a really strong day sort of for the rest. And mm-hmm. and there are lots, I mean, you know, when you're in the water, there are lots of things, putting your face in, breathing in and out deeply, all of these sort of tricks that you can do to just calm yourself down and to, to sort of remind yourself that this isn't scary and that, that you're being supported. But giving it a go is the key thing.
1: Yeah, Um, we know that swimming is not your, you know, strongest moment, of course, but there's something that you really love when you're training, this is what your coach told me, and I saw it in Algarve, Um, two years ago, if I'm not wrong, that you love track workouts. (laughs) And I will tell you that 85 to 90% of the athletes I know, they hate track workouts.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: What's the secret for that? (laughs)
0: I know, I know, and it's funny. You know, I'll look through my weekly schedule, and if there's a track session, immediately I will be looking forward to it. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I love, I I love the track itself. So the space that you're in, where quite often, I mean, bearing in mind, I've spent the last best part of the last twenty years in Oxford, and the running track that I had access to was the Roger Bannister. And it's called so because that's where the four minute mile was broken. What a great training. I mean, talk about inspirational, but so the space itself where you often have lots of athletes who are just really focused on perfecting their, their skill, which is just always quite, quite impressive, or it's completely deserted and it's you and a deer. And that's actually quite nice as well. But then the training session itself where you just hurt yourself, you, you run really hard, and then you stop and you have a little rest and then you go again. And as soon as you press start for the beginning of that session, you just kinda of hand yourself over to it and there's nothing else to think about. You just run when you're supposed to run and you stop when you're supposed to stop. And there's just something very, I don't know, simple about almost it. Like, um,
1: almost like a race.
0: Yeah, almost.
1: <laughs> Except- once you start the buttons of you know starting the, the race itself just go for it and when you finish you finish
0: yeah yeah and uh, yes and all you know all the nerves and all the worry and all the anxiety as soon as that start gun goes it's, it's, it's you put, it's, put it aside and get on with it
1: is a, is a moment that you have for your own where you don't have to think about your daily routine or the, the problems that you have in your life
0: yeah you and- have to work out itself Yeah, and you're where you're you're supposed to be, I guess. There's Mm -hmm. nothing else that you need to think about in that moment. You just need to run a bit harder or a bit faster. And it's perfect.
1: I think I agree with you. Um, I remember when I used to do those very long workouts on the track. And as you know, Portugal is a very cold place in summertime. (laughs) Uh, For example, now we have 37 degrees outside, so it's very, very cold outside, as you can imagine. Um, and I remember going to the track and it's like, okay, it's time to suffer, but I'm going to love this at the end of the workout. So just shut up and run. And I think that you have the same uh, kind of um, feeling when you do it. Yeah. So this is something we need to teach to the other athletes when they hate to to the track. It's like, okay, this is something you need to start loving because it's, uh, it's good, you know?
0: And I, I think it probably helps that I've done track sessions with other sports and so when I do track now it kind of there's also it's not just the session I'm doing right in front of me it's all these other sessions that I've done as part of boxing fitness with the with the boxing club or as part of rugby fitness with the rugby club or you know there's a there's a whole bunch of people that I have trained with on the track that that you can kind of draw upon which I also quite enjoy oh, it's a great okay. um, Yes, I think you have
1: been doing well a lot of sports for as long as we can we can see. Um, do you see any kind of similarities between the the sports you have been doing, uh, from kickboxing to triathlon, in terms of um, workouts or in terms of preparation for the event, for example?
0: I think, I think, um, I think there's a lot that is. Very transferable in any sport in terms of sort of when you break it down into the skills you need to practice or the core strengths you need to develop or the sort of the process you go through, even uh, team sports that are obviously very different in terms of the sort of mental side of things because you're working as part of a team, whereas triathlon tends to be quite individual. But in terms of how you approach, training and and how you receive coaching advice and sort of try and improve what you're doing um and then yeah I mean kickboxing was hugely reliant on fitness but also on core flexibility good biomechanics all of that stuff so that's been quite useful to bring to mm-hmm. triathlon and that was I mean that was all built up from ballet originally so it all it all stems back to that.
1: Would you ever imagine when you're doing ballet that you, at the age of, uh, I, don't know, I don't want to know your age, um, but that by the year of 2020, you'll be doing triathlon?
0: No. The thing that probably is the most surprising for me with triathlon is that it's, I think, stuck the longest. I mean, I did, I did ballet for all through my childhood, so that's slightly different. But since having, when I started university, I've, I've done a lot of I've tried a lot of different things um, and, and triathlon seems to be the one that's going to stick. I think mm-hmm. I've keeping doing this for a long time still.
1: Harriet, we know that you're not a professional triathlete. You have your own job um, and have been doing sports all your life. How is now your daily routine when you try to uh, balance your, your work <laughs> with your um, training and racing and trying to find the best moments for, for racing? how do you usually balance all that
0: yeah uh yes it's a it's a very good question and it is potentially challenging although it does it does get easier as you sort of get practised at it partly because partly helped by the fact that i have a schedule that i can look at and i can look at my training week and i can look at my working week and i can sort of see where how to arrange the days so that the sessions fit in I think the thing that helps for me, I mean, I'm very lucky because I have the time and the opportunity to train. And I know lots of people have lots of other things they're also trying to squeeze in to their day. But I tend to start with training when I am looking at how the day is mapped out. So like this morning, I knew I had this call and I know I have other things going on later on. So I was on my bike at half past six and that's not that unusual. <laughs> lots of pe- lots of people who who don't train quite as much will be astonished to hear that you get up at you know 5:30 to go swimming mm-hmm. or, or whatever but actually for me knowing that that's been prior, you you kind of knowing that that's been prioritized um i find very sort of almost reassuring i guess that i can build my day around Training and 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 I mean you know having the support of Philip and and TTH so that I can say this week is crazy I'm not going to be able to do all of this and he can then say okay well these are the priorities
1: mm-hmm. or
0: shift this or focus on this um it makes it much easier I don't have to do a lot of thinking
1: yeah I think that um, being able to balance your work um, with your training when you have a schedule that someone thinks about it for you makes your life much much easier for example I'm a coach. And I cannot coach myself because I know I will not be able to organize my working schedule with my training schedule. So having someone thinking for that or thinking that for me is so, so helpful. Um, I know that you train around 15 hours a week and I believe that you work more than 30 hours a week. Um, so how do you do in, in those days when you are so tired?
0: I uh, I tend to... And I tend to look at it and, and sort of split that the sessions quite often split between ones that I feel I have to do and ones that I'm really looking forward to doing. And today was a great example where I needed to do some dry land swim work, which isn't my favorite. I know it's very helpful. I also had a run and I looked at it and I was like, do you know what? If I do the swim 1st <laughs> then I can reward myself with a run later in the day and I would not want to miss the run so that will work out but then I'm more likely to tick everything off so I I tend to sort of there are certain training sessions track being a good example that I see as treats rather than trials I guess Mm -hmm. and and you know and some days you're just you, you have to listen to your body and you have to be careful that you're not sort of you know if if you are feeling absolutely exhausted then that could be a good sign that maybe you need to you know skip a
1: session back yeah skip a session
0: and 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 be be careful on that front i i don't like doing that i like having a fully green week so that's when you have ticked everything off and done it as it should be that's you know i I i like to have done that but um but yeah being, being clear about which ones I am more likely to get to the end of the day and think, oof, no, I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> I have that feeling. I have been there so many times. Um Harriet, if you could go back on time uh, to the moment when you start doing this sport, knowing exactly what you know today, what piece of advice would you give to yourself?
0: Uh, I think I might go back even further to before I started the sport and and just the the thing that I think because of the because the disciplines the the swim the bike the run particularly in swimming and, and, and biking I missed out on swimming when I was young because I found it very frightening and and the skills that you pick up from playing in a swimming pool environment I sort of look at those and I think oh do you know that that would have been that would have been quite quite helpful quite useful and then I my bike handling is is an area that I still want to improve on and you know playing around on a BMX or you know whipping along trying to cycle without your hand on mm-hmm. bars all of those skills that you kind of get from playing as a kid when you're fearless. Those are the things that I kind of think. Oh, you know, those those would have been great to bring through to to triathlon now because um, there is now it's
1: hard to to get those skills.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so 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 now um, you know the the sort of bike handling sessions that I've learnt from coming out to training camps in Portugal have been hugely beneficial, and and the sort of the things you can chip away at that aren't just you know, raw fitness, um, but that are that are helpful just to keep things ticking over and to sort of to develop as an athlete. All of that stuff has been has been really really useful. So I think I would I would keep going with that. Um, but I, I'm pretty happy with I'm pretty happy with the progress I've made in the last seven eight years um, mm-hmm. in the sport. I was never, I didn't, I don't think I'm sort of, I, I have got quicker during that time. I have definitely got stronger. My recovery is definitely much quicker when I do an event. There are lots of things I can definitely see I am improving on. You know, I'm not about to qualify for Kona or any of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not topping the podium when I race, but I am much more sort of confident in my own ability as an athlete and and the experience that I have from those seven years so I don't know if there's much that I would change in that sense um but giving stuff a go and trying it out and surrounding myself by people who have done all of these crazy distances and Mm -hmm. have raced hard and and know that it's sort of Within reach, I think, has been a hugely important part of my training, um, and I would definitely urge anybody who's thinking about triathlon at all to surround themselves with people who don't think it's out of this world to do an Ironman.
1: What for stuff? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You just said that um, Cone is not in your mind to, in terms of racing. Um, I know that you qualified for Gold Coast seventy point three, the World Champs. Um, and I think that's <laughs> That's a big, you know, a big accomplishment.
0: I, I uh, but I did on a massive roll down.
1: Um, it doesn't matter, Harriet. It doesn't matter. <laughs> i to fight for it. So, what's your um, and if, of course if you want to share it, um, what's your biggest dream in this sport?
0: Well, on that basis, so yes, I did. I did um, race uh, in Malulabar in two thousand sixteen, the world champs seventy point three on a roll down that I'd got from racing at Wemble Ball 70.3 that year. And racing in Australia it was amazing. It was the, 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 the sort of, the world champs aspect of it was kind of insane in lots of ways. I mean, it was a bit, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy environment because you have a lot of people who are taking it very seriously and it was a real sort of privileged kind of go and experience that and, and give it a go. And what I would like to do is to um now qualify outright for 70 point three world champs. I think that would be I think that would be pretty special. Um it probably wouldn't be Australia again, but that wasn't amazing. Well,
1: next is going to be New Zealand so <laughs> why not?
0: So next year is then
1: <laughs> It's it's very close to Australia so you can you know jump from one side to the other one.
0: Uh, I already have my racing plans for next year all laid out. It's everything rolled over from 2020. <laughs> well,
1: perfect then. It's perfect. Even for Philip, it's going to be quite easy for him to plan the, the season. <laughs> yeah, Let's hey. just hope that we don't have any, any other pandemic coming up uh, for 2021.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him. 70.3 world champs next year. New Zealand.
1: Perfect. Though. Philip, this is just for you. I will qualify next year. <laughs> Anyway, Harriet, um, if you would like to give any kind of advice for those who are listening to our podcast uh, in terms of uh, you know workouts or mental um strength or something, would you like to share something with, with those who are listening to us?
0: i think um i think the the biggest sort of it, it can potentially Feel overwhelming to sign up to an event and to sort of have that goal that you're trying to to work towards whatever it is I mean it could be your first 5k running race all the way up to some sort of ultra distance crazy race and and the the key with any event like that or or any goal like that is just to sort of break it down and take it a day at a time and some days you will have a training session and it will feel horrible and other days you'll look at your schedule and think you can't possibly do the session set out and then you will and and it will feel great um and and taking each day and sort of you know breaking it down and not seeing it as one big overwhelming thing um Mm -hmm. is probably one of them and then like it's amazing i the mental side of sport is just so interesting and the difference between telling yourself you can do something and telling yourself you can't is is just huge and um and and I've I've you know I've had good friends that have signed up for their first marathons and uh, i and my cousin did London last year and she she got to the end and she loved it and she had a great race but early in her training every time I spoke to her about her training she would tell me it was hard and she was never going to get to the end and and, and she would kind of talk herself out of the event before before it had even started so I said to her you know that they may all be true things it may be hard and you may be finding it really challenging but if you keep telling yourself you're not going to do it then you're putting yourself out of doing it you know before you've even started so just turn that around and say yeah i'm running a marathon and i'm it's going to be hard but i'm excited or it's going
1: to
0: be my best go or you know whatever it is just make it a, a positive give it a try rather than it's going to be impossible and hard and ridiculous um is so important
1: i agree with you harriet thank you so much um it's time for us to finish this episode. You have been a fantastic guest. So once again, thank you. Um, I hope to see you soon, hopefully in Portugal, where it's warmer than the UK.
0: yes, please.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Diego. The Believe, Strive, Achieve podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment and show notes are found at trytrainingharder.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Try Training Harder. Thanks for listening.